Hello, everybody. Welcome to Political Football. My name is Dave. I'm here with Scott, part of the Manny Ice Media Network. Scott, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm trying not to spill a cup of tea in my lap. So, <laughs> I'm good. I don't know why I'm telling you that. I'm good. How are you doing? Good tea. Are you sick or something? Need the tea with lemon or tea with honey? or? Mm-mm. No, I'm trying to be more British. Oh, so, okay. So... You know, when you like when you're on the the English British spectrum of things, you get to say things that you can't usually say here. Some of the things you get to say are hilarious, but <laughs> perhaps that's just me. Yes, and so that's that's the goal for being more British. I thought you were going to give up on the NFL and become a Premier League soccer fan. No, it's all about being able to to use certain words in the British context, which I find, you know, hilarious, but. Perhaps it's only me. Alex says no soccer talk, which shocks me. I would have thought I would have bet a hundred to one. Alex was a soccer fan. We're so. talking defensive prospects. We're not talking about soccer. Yeah. Uh, did you see that Man City Bayern game today? Though City really put it to him. I don't believe that that happened. I think you're trying to set me up. No, really, it was a three nil win for City. Is this a Cleve thing? Like, is that a real person? No, Manchester City. That's a real team. Hmm. <laughs> Dude, I'm an old, so you can't like. So there's, yeah. I've just washed my hands of all the the hip, cool things that you young kids do. Those things are behind me. Yeah. Um, City <laughs> has a striker named Erling Holland, who's 23 years old, and What's I believe a he's a, uh, the person that scores. Oh, so the uh, kicker? Can I call him a kicker? No, you cannot call him a kicker. <laughs> um, he's like eight foot twelve. Runs you know like a deer. Me when he sees me for the first time ever is Jason. Yes, I yes, don't blame him. Um. Anyways, Holland is amazing, and uh, but I don't like Manchester City, so that makes it rough. Anyway, if you don't like soccer, you're really missing out. Cleveland like soccer. If he was here, we could talk about it. Women's World Cup this summer. I know you're excited for that. You know what's amazing, guys? I love the international stuff. Like even the like the women's uh, hockey that's going. I'll watch that. I love it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do, I mean, I dig world cup soccer. Yeah. It just has, it once it, once it draws me in, I'll, I'll be fine. But I just it, like the, you know, the day-to-day grind that is soccer over there. It mm-hmm. just hasn't hooked me yet. But if I gave it five minutes of my time, I'm sure I would find a way to be hooked because I love world cup soccer. I think it's awesome. I mean, I really and, do. Uh, and that, uh, that's actually a good, uh, good segue to talk about the defensive prospects this week for the draft, you know, with fantasy football and all that, we spend so much time discussing the offensive prospects and the quarterbacks and all that, which we are going to do next week, but this week we want to talk about some of the defensive prospects because this show is not a fantasy show per se. It's a, uh, NFL show and defense is important. <laughs> um, and, bit, build, yeah. and building teams through defense is important. So we're going to focus on the defensive side of the ball today some of the top defensive uh, defensive prospects. And I've got a whole bunch here. We're not necessarily going to get into all of these. I've got a couple per position. Uh, Scott, which position do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the best position or the worst position in this draft? I don't know which is which, so I'm going to let you choose and let's go. Well, you tell me, best or worst? Best or worst? Um. I think the cornerback class is, is really good. Mm-hmm. I think the safety class is probably the worst. There, uh, I agree. So where are we starting? 
Let's go uh, corners. Corners. All right, so we're going to start with the cornerback position, which I agree is the best uh, position group in in this draft class. So, Scott, if I remember correctly, you do not like to do rankings of prospects, like one, two, three, four. You do more sort of like tier things or by round, right? So, I guess so, but I'm not like um... – I'm not pretentious enough to think that it, that anybody really gives a shit who is, who I have as one, two, three, four, five, six kind of thing. Like it just doesn't, I don't think it's relevant. Um, particularly when you're looking at specific teams and how players, like you could have, let's just go Christian Gonzalez. You could have, you could say, you could blanket uh, globally say that he is the number one corner in this draft, mm-hmm. but there will be teams that just do not, care for him at all and would pass on him i'm sure multiple times because of how passive he is so like you know specific to the lions i don't know that the lions are going to be all that into uh christian gonzalez where you'd have to draft him just because of how i mean he's more of a finesse zone corner now having said that you should all run to your your uh betting apparatuses and make a bet that christian gonzalez is going to be the pick to the lions because that's just how it goes. But, um, but remember, if the bet doesn't hit, you complain to us. You got to fight Cleve. So I'm good with it. Um, <laughs> so, well, no, here's so we, I mean, we can talk about all of the players. I mean, I think that there's a group that are round one players. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of what are the things they do well and does that fit specific teams? Does, you know, are teams comfortable with him and some of the passive play? Uh, I would say that he would be absolutely a, a player if you played a lot of zone where you you just ask a, a guy to cover a large part of the field with his ability to move. Yeah, he'd be he would be that guy. But if you're saying, you know, if you're saying get up in a receiver's face and and push and squeeze him towards the boundary and get in his face and and, you know, turn your back on the quarterback and run with him, he can do all those things. It's just when the ball's in the air, it's like a disappearing act. I think I want to say, I think I referred to him as maybe the, the potential uh, greatest flag football player in the history of flag football. <laughs> Dominate seven on sevens. Just incredible. But you know, um, he is not going to tackle. I would ask, are we talking about Christian Gonzalez first, I guess? Well, that's the thing. You said that you're not pretentious enough, nor would you ever presume to think that anybody would care how you have the players ranked, but I have them ranked one through four. Okay, um, and so I have I have Christian Gonzalez first. Yes, I um, apologize for offending you if I did. <laughs> nope, nope. That absolutely. By the way, if anybody else wants a job as a co-host of political football, there's a seat open. No, I'm kidding. There is an opening. Um, <laughs> um no, but my when I uh I'm much more firm in my rankings for like dynasty draft prospects, best ball this year, which corners are which. Just because of like sauce more than string the uh uh stringer last year or whatever his name is stringley um stingley that's it yeah. String, yeah. stringer bell um uh mark edwards so yeah i've christian oh, gonzalez boy <laughs> i have i have christian gonzalez first uh he's out of oregon 6 one 197 one's a four three eight forty with a 41 and a half inch vertical so that's great size and athleticism. It's good for a 9.95 RAS score. That's a scale of 0 to 10. Uh, RAS is relative athletic score. Um, uh, 9.95. So that's a crazy good athlete, uh, which is, of course, very important in the cornerback position. 
Yeah, um, I mean, if you're, it's one of those things where if you're going to bet on anything at some of these positions, edge, interior offensive line, believe it or not, they're like one of the big things to measure is their three cone time. Yep. Um, and the short shuttle stuff and the ones who measure fast generally work out no matter where you draft them. Yep. Um, it's almost like you should draft the ones who run those quick, but that's a whole other story. Uh, he is just an outrageous, I mean, he is a rare athlete. Like, I mean, rare, mm-hmm. like not, not like not a lot of, like all these guys are elite in the way they move, even the ones that we consider to be, you know, stiffs and slow and all those things, they still run at a, at a pretty elite level, but he takes it to everything he does is silly. Uh, his ability to turn um, his, you know, his hips are super fluid. The way he turns, uh, in any direction, the way he gets out of his pedal and, and comes forward. That's why I think zone zone coverage is probably where he would really be effective. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of peeking at the eyes of the quarterback and, and letting him get to the ball and then just exploding in his movements uh, coming forward. I think that's a better use of his skills than having him turn his back on the quarterback and kind of run with, the, with uh, you know, receivers. But it is un- it's unquestionable how he moves – and the rare way in which he does move. It just is. It's you can't it, there's no arguing it. He's it's rare. Now, I have my note here as I have as the uh top cornerback on my board, but that's not a consensus view which you kind of spoke to. Um and I do think that there's a chance he's not the first cornerback off the board because it will depend on which team decides to take a corner first. Yeah. And he he doesn't strike me as a like if your coach talks about biting kneecaps, he might not take Christian Gonzalez. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, you just turn on the uh, – if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, turn on the Georgia game, and he is directly responsible for three touchdowns in that game. Um, as much yeah. as as much as much any individual defensive player can be responsible. Yeah. But, like, there are two plays in its run defense where he's the end, the end defender on the line of scrimmage. And they're, you know, they're on, like, the one or two-yard line. And, yeah, they may score anyway, but it's like – Dude, you're the end defender on the line of scrimmage. Hit somebody. Find the ball. You know, yeah. don't make it. So, I mean, Stetson Bennett just, I think he just walks one in at one point mm-hmm. where it's just like, we got to be more competitive than that. We got, you got to dial it up. And then there's another play. And this is the frustrating part where he does perfect things in this play. And he's about 20 yards downfield on the sideline. And he's in perfect coverage, which is hard to do. And then the ball kind of just goes over his head. He doesn't lift his arms. He doesn't uh, fight with the receiver to separate the receiver's arms in the end zone. It's just like, oh, cool, touchdown. And it's just frustrating to watch. Like, it's you move so incredibly well, and then and then it's just, like, so easy to score on you. So it's frustrating. There are moments of frustration where where I just – you got to – if you can get his competitiveness dialed up, I think you'd be – You'd be in good shape with him, but that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I. But you, Oregon is a program never struck as being particularly tough, except for that one year they beat Michigan by nine thousand points. Um, <laughs> but other than that, they never really struck him as being like like a, a super tough team. Part of that's being the Pac twelve. Part of that's just reputation. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason that he can't sort of pick that up. Uh, in in the NFL now, my second the second corner on my board is Joey Porter Jr. Uh, and for the audience, yes, that he's the son of that Joey Porter. <laughs> um, 
the former Steelers linebacker. Joey Porter Jr., 6'2 and a half, 193 pounds, runs a 4'4", 640. So just incredible there. However, he only has a 35-inch vertical. Let me be clear. I have a 5-inch vertical. So when I say somebody has a 35-inch vertical, I'm not judging them. But what I am saying is that that can make him a lot more limited in contested catch situations. So I went and looked. Jamar Chase is two inches shorter than Joey Porter Jr., but he jumped six inches higher. Yes. So Joey Porter can... Jr.'s arms, though, are like seven miles long. Oh, okay. They are. No, he's he has, I want to say, like 34 and a half inch arms in that range. And for a, I mean, those are like long offensive tackle arms. So some of that can, I get what you're saying. It, he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, um, he's nowhere near the, he's, he's a good athlete. He's no, yeah. he's not the athlete that Gonzalez is, but he's much more physical. Uh, that also leads to some penalty questions. He's kind of grabby mm-hmm. where you can see when, you know, when, when guys run routes and break in front of him, there are times when he does grab. Um, I don't know why he just does. Um, again, the long arms, super long arms. I can see him in like trail technique co- uh, where he's, where he is press bail coverage, where he's running with a receiver, where it would be very difficult to drop throws in just because of the arm length. Um, you know, it's, uh, he's much more physical at, in the contested catch situations than Gonzalez is. But to me, he is, you know, is he uh, a great corner, uh, that, a guy that you would normally look as a lock in the early part of round one, in the top half of round one? I don't think so. I don't think he is. But, you know, in the 16 to 25 range, yeah, you can develop him. I think he, I think he has a place, and he's got traits that are really good. It's just uh, there's some limitations in his game, and, you know, some of it is can you coach out the grabby? Uh, the penalties and some of that yeah. kind of stuff. I don't know. It's a good. Uh, I like your rankings though because it's different. Everybody has somebody else early, and you know. Yeah, I I, I made a bet a while ago. Um, Got to be a month ago or three weeks ago now because I had to be in Michigan. I'm pretty sure. Um, that for him to be first cornerback taken, which I think is dead now. I don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah. um, you know, I really I really like him as a prospect. The third corner of my board is uh, Devin Witherspoon. Is it Devin or Devon? Devin. Uh, Devin Witherspoon yeah. uh, fr- from Illinois, 5'11 and a half, 181 pounds. So much smaller than the first two we're talking about here. Runs a 4'4", 540. So my first thought was I'd want to see um, a faster 40 time if he's going to be that much smaller than the other guys. Um, Because uh, 181, first thought was really light. But wide receivers are getting lighter as well in the NFL. So it's not like he's got to guard Julio Jones every single play. That's true. But he was, I think he played a little bit of that game that he measured. They weighed 181 at the combine, but didn't run and then didn't weigh at his, at his, he didn't even run at his pro day because of his hamstring. He had his own little workout, mm-hmm. but he didn't weigh at his workout and then ran. So it's like, you know, did he put some water weight on? Does he play in the mid 170s? Yeah, uh, likely. And at 5'10 and what is it? 5'10 and a half or whatever uh, it is. 5'11 and a half. 5'11. Oh, I thought it's five. Whatever. He's small and he's slight. And then yeah. when you look at play style, 
he is a he is a missile. Yes. And you know, for for what you were mentioning earlier, the the idea of you know, um, physicality and and guys that fit like the Lions locker room kind of stuff. Not that that matters all that much, but the kneecap biting kind of crap, mm-hmm. which is just nonsense at this point. But he fits perfectly for them. Um, I think you're looking at a guy who's probably going to deal with some injuries, uh, likely some shoulder injuries, some of that kind of stuff, because his frame is so slight and he hits so much, and he hits hard. And it's his 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 film is really fun to watch. There are times, and this is, I I didn't care so much about the forty. With him, I wanted to see the the test the three cone and the short shuttle stuff because there are times when he's in off man coverage where he gets beat, and his transition from like slowly backpedaling to turning and running with the receiver can be a little bit clunky, uh, for lack of being able to describe it. It's it it can be a touch slow. So I was curious what. You know what would the what would his shuttle numbers be? But he didn't do them, so mm. we don't know. So I mean, if I'm picking it up and seeing him be, get beat a little against, you know, Indiana Big Ten receiver, um, you know, I know the the forty time was okay, and I would say that even the four four five he ran or whatever it was, he would have ran slower in Indy. So I would say he's a four five, low four fives guy. Okay. At 181 pounds max, uh, with a slight frame and a play style that's going to lead to some uh, some issues. So, would you say he's he's much better suited to playing the slot? I think he he could be a dog in the slot, but you know, are you really drafting a, that guy as early as people are talking about? And it's tough. That's a tough sell. Well, I love him pit- as a player. I love him as a player. It's yeah, just, I mean, it's you know? tough because so many top wide receivers are running out of the slot at least some of the time, and a lot of them it's the majority. CD Lamb's out of the slot. Cooper Cup uh, is everywhere now, but he runs a lot out of the slot. I have a feeling Stephon Diggs is about to move into the slot a lot more. Justin Jefferson lines up everywhere, so you do yeah. kind of need a top cover person to, that can line up in the slot. So I think you do. It, it, it would. You need the versatility for them to be able to play outside yeah. and inside and he can it's just i don't think he's the perfect player um to to go super early where you could say gonzalez could be that guy if you could get him more competitive i yes gonzalez mm-hmm. is that guy i'm not sure you can do that either so uh it's tough you know it's these aren't they're not perfect players yep uh, the fourth corner on my list and the last cornerback on the list, I have Deontay Banks out of Maryland. Six foot, 197 pounds, runs a 4.3540, has a 42-inch vert. To me, he is a great arbitrage pick on Gonzalez. And by that, I mean, like, take the lines. They pick at 6 and 18. I'd rather take Banks at 18 than Gonzalez at 6. Like, to me, it's a very similar bet on a similar type player that you can make for cheaper. Can you go back just a few se- se- seconds and explain the word arbitrage to me? <laughs> uh, yes, it's a way of getting leverage uh, in a bet where you get to make a similar bet for cheaper. The uh, range of outcomes might be slightly wider. Like Gonzalez will more likely be a hit than Deontay Banks. 
but not so much so that it's worth the 12 pick spot of difference. Okay. Therefore, you should take Banks at 18 instead of Gonzalez. I agree completely, and I'm going to start using that word everywhere. Perfect. <laughs> it's it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and so, now, if you don't have two picks in the first round, you can't, like, think that yeah. through necessarily. I just yeah. use the Lions as an example because they do. But there's other teams that have two first-round picks, the Seahawks, for example. Um, but I think Banks is – I mean, he, he has a perfect uh, RAS score of 10. Yeah. So he's actually a better athlete than Gonzalez, though they're both the 99th percentile. Yeah, no, um, and he is. It's He is. I think he's a little more – he's going to require a little more time mm-hmm. than Gonzalez to play right away. But, you you know, if you have – if you have somebody in front of him, a perfect developmental player. It's just his athleticism is so crazy. Along with his physicality, he shouldn't last very long. He's – yeah. He is a really good player. He's a very interesting player uh, to me because I <laughs> because I can't use words like like that. I would explain him as uh, a player that you should be targeting over the really early corners, just because he's more he's potentially the same player at a lesser cost. But it's embarrassing that I have to think about that. And because I'm not smart and um, <laughs> yeah. So I have to yeah. learn bigger words and new words. Well, there you go. That yeah, uh, I, learned, I no. learned something. That's great. Yeah. There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad I could be of some use. So those are my top four corners. Obviously there's way more cornerback prospects. We're just hitting some of the top prospects at each of the positions. So corner to me is the best position in this draft, although it might be edge, which we'll get to, but now we're going to go to what I think is clearly the worst position in the draft on defense and maybe in general which is the safety position i only have two safeties on the list and i think they might both be bad um number one is brian branch out of alabama not bad fantastic football player six foot 190 four five eight forty 34 and a half inch vert very underwhelming athletic profile to me this is why he's dropped from a top 15 player to a back of round one player maybe even into the second round I, I don't buy the second round stuff just because of what it looks like uh, watching him play. And he, he is one of those um, workout proof kind of players where it, to me, I don't, it doesn't matter so much about the 40 and some of the other stuff because you're going to play him really close to the line of scrimmage and almost like that slot defender you mm-hmm. talked about. And he's going to bully those dudes. And he is, He's got great football instincts. He's an he's a much better football player than Tester, and I would rather bet on those guys. It's not like he tested terrible, but mm-hmm. just don't ask him to play, you know, thirty yards off the ball and cover tons of ground as a as a single high safety, or even in like cover two where you're where you've got half the field. He needs to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and if he does that, he will be super productive. He's a really good football player. This it sounds like you're talking about Mac Jones, the better player that yeah, better player than Tester needs to be in the right system, going to be okay, unlikely to fail. Like I don't see where Brian Branch is. I don't see any outcomes where he's Troy Palomalu, Bob no. Sanders, no. Ed Reed, right? And so no, to me, if he plays a low value position and he doesn't have a ceiling like that, should he be a first round pick? 
I don't play. I don't think he plays a low value position. Safety? I no. I mean, look at what. Do you think Chauncey Gardner Johnson plays a low value position? Yeah, he's making like eight million dollars this year after almost winning a Super Bowl. I mean, the it it is like that and a running back or two an off ball linebacker. I mean, in terms of how much money they make. So if you use a first round pick on a safety, you have to use then the franchise tag or whatever in the fifth year option on a safety. It doesn't make much sense. You want you'd rather put it on an offensive tackle or, or like a more valuable position, right? Like I'm just going by how much they make. I know, right? but I don't. Um, I don't know that that matters all that much in the equation if you're looking for a safety who is versatile enough to play as a slot and can play, a, you know, on the end of the line of scrimmage and can cover uh, tight ends and running backs. I, I, what does it matter how much they make? Because the opportunity cost of use, losing that fifth-year option at a – position that costs a ton of money so like say you take a safety in the first round that you want to use the fifth year option on and an offensive tackle in the second round that you would love to have the fifth round option on but you can't because he's a second round pick well now a year sooner you have to pay the tackle top tackle money which is a lot more than top safety money so you'd rather flip them and get the fifth year option on your tackle and pay the cheaper safety first right so that's what I mean by a low value position here. So if we think that he's guaranteed to be decent, but unlikely to be a superstar, is he worth using that slot on and not using it on name of uh, the fifth edge off the board or the sixth corner or a wide receiver or a position that if it hits, you really want that fifth year option. I get all that. I just think we're thinking about, um, we're, we're thinking about things differently. Like I, I just want good football players. I, you know, um, I think he's much more likely to be an effective football player for multiple years than some of the cornerbacks we've already mentioned. Like his his chances of hitting as a player, I think, are a lot higher than Deontay Banks. A lot. Just because of the, of the way he plays and where he is going to play. Whether that's yes. valuable or not, he's... He's a he was a really important part of the Alabama defense. He was yes. likely the guy that made their defense go. I Agreed. understand what you're saying about value and all that stuff, but you know, he's a really good player, he's a really good prospect. Um is there a safety that you can think of in recent memory that would have been worth taking in round one? Jamal That's Adams. Who? Jamal Adams. Okay. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. The ones that tend to go higher, the ones that like lock up in the top 15 because it's a no-brainer that they're worth it. But if Branch keeps slipping towards the late of the, the end of the first round, I don't see why somebody would take him there. But why is he slipping to the end of the first round? I think because of these underwhelming athletic numbers, which I agree with you may not be as important for him, but they do probably also limit his upside. And so if you're not going to end up with an all-pro safety, then it's probably not worth the first round gamble at that position. Uh, right. If he was still being mocked in the top 10 or the top 12, I'd be like, okay, well, obviously. But teams what does are it matter where he's being mocked? Because it's the pattern, right? So he, so as the off season's gone on, he's keeps sliding further and further down. Right. But it's, he doesn't have an off field problem. His tape is phenomenal. Right. So unless he's in interviews, cussing coaches out, 
it's got to be something in the testing. So I'm just looking at what the NFL play, what the NFL teams are looking at, and they are showing it's showing him moving down the board. Who like, who in the NFL is telling any of us that that he's moving down the boards? Like who? Because most of the best uh, mock people are connected. The best, of course, being Daniel Jeremiah. And they're connected. And so when they start moving players around, it's generally indicative of what they're hearing, right? So as and it's been consensus, right? It's not just like two or three people. He keeps continually sliding back as we get closer to the draft. And so like, as I'm looking at that, I'm thinking like, wow, this is a real problem. But Campbellton went from the second overall pick in Mox to the 15th overall pick. Yeah, That's still very good. Branch is going from 10th to 20th to 25th. But what but if he gets drafted 15th and Hamilton got drafted 14th? Like what's yes. But what I'm saying is I don't think branch will get drafted 15th and the athleticism is the reason why. Okay. We'll see. I, I mean, I think he's just, uh, we have a, uh, apparently a, we have a differing opinion on him. That's fine. We actually have an equal opinion on, on him as a prospect. We just have a different opinion on his value. Um, we should try to trade for him in Dynasty where this problem oh is like all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M, my, uh, my number two safety on the board, and only the second one that even made a dent when I was looking through these prospects. 6'2", 198, a four five two forty. somehow only has a 31-inch vert. Like – that's actually insanely low. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's one of those guys. I think that people really liked early in the process. Yeah. Um, I will I, tell you, I don't. You know, he's one of those guys that I still need to do some, some, a little bit of work on. But I don't love him as a player. I mean, I think he, I think he's, I think he's talked about as safety too. But I would say he should be maybe. And now, again, this is totally wildly guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, a middle part of round three player. This is how bad the class is. Like you have, I think yeah. you have one that's going to be drafted in the middle, middle to end of round one, and then you don't have one that's going to get. And this, I mean, it's like these are the guys who play on special teams. These are the guy. This is the glue, and yeah. you don't have another one going for likely forty or fifty picks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's a bad year for safeties. Now, of course, there's going to be like a fifth rounder who ends up being pretty good or something like that. But yeah, um, Jamie Robertson from from Florida State's fine. But yeah. you know, like I mean, there are guys. It's just they're yeah. not premium players. They're not. Uh, it's just a bad year for this for this group. Yes, uh, people like Jordan Battle from Alabama. I do not. I don't either. Um, yeah, I just think that he's really limited. I think he benefited from playing on Alabama's defense. Whereas like branch kind of made it go. Yes. I feel like battle was like being covered by everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, I think he was too. I think he was, he was a little bit of the, um, the guy that people that teams would attack too. You know who else I thought was like that was Malik hooker from Ohio state. Really? Yeah. I thought he was being like covered cause he was playing with like all these other great players. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Oh, he gets all these picks and like all this stuff. He doesn't have to cover anybody close because the corners are good and like there's always pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, he's playing center field and just right chasing yeah. ball. Yeah, yeah. That's so I was works. like, he's obviously a good player, but I didn't rate him as highly as everybody else did. I feel like Battle is very similar. 
Um, the only player I would add to this mix is Sidney Brown from Illinois. I think he's really good. Yes. But again, third, fourth round player. Right. Right. So he's not a top defensive prospect because he's looking at the third or fourth round. Um, linebacker, I only have two. We'll just get the other bad position out of the way here. Yeah. First, I have Jack Campbell out of Iowa, 6'5", 250, an All-American, maybe two-time All-American. Um, if you like close your eyes and picture a Big Ten linebacker, this is literally who you're going to picture. Like he looks everything like you would expect from a Big Ten linebacker. Um, now, unlike a, another Iowa player we're going to talk about here, Jack Campbell actually made some big plays and big games for Iowa. Um, and I'd heard about him before the draft process. Um, projected late first, early second. I don't know why anybody would take an off ball linebacker from Iowa in the first round, but. I'm seeing a really big one like that. Like that. Yeah. We're not, this isn't 1990s New England Patriots, uh, San Diego chargers. It's, it's, it's not even late Vander Esch. He's, he is a huge guy. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't like, I think he's an inside backer. I think, you know, I'm not sure that he's great in coverage. I don't know that he's anything really more than a B gap to B gap, maybe C gap to C gap. At, the, at your best, that's kind of what you've got, a guy who's going to come forward. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure you can trust him to get wide. Uh, as teams run wider, it's harder. To, it's hard. The teams that are having success with their linebackers are the ones who, who are finding smaller guys who can really run. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Campbell tested really well, and he's big, but I eh. – Yeah, I, I like him as a player. I like him as a player. Yeah, I like him as a player. I just don't understand why somebody would take him in the first round. I mean, I would take Brian Branch first. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So um, I didn't get that. And then number two, I have Dayon Henley out of Washington State, 6'1", 225. It's actually much smaller. However, redshirt senior. So how much more is there to develop? He's already 23. Yeah, and he was – to me, he's like uh, – he's the linebacker I like most in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one from Arkansas. His name is Drew Sanders. Mm-hmm. Only from the perspective that he can really rush the passer. So Sanders was an edge rusher for a while and has converted to play linebacker and is super physical. There is a touch. Everybody sit down. There's a touch of Micah Parsons. Uh, the way Micah Parsons. Moving on. Wired. Next we no, have. No, just the way he's wired as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. It is super unlikely that it'll ever work the way Parsons does because mm-hmm. Parsons is ridiculous. Yes. But Sanders can rush the passer. And I think this is the reason why he would be a player who might get drafted late in round one mm. because he can rush the passer while doing linebacker things. Uh, Henley is fine. I think he'll be a mid second to late second kind of player. But, you know, um, it's again, we've seen you've mentioned it. It's it's true. The the devaluing of the position. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's it's real. And, you know, this is not a great class. It's just the Sanders thing, I think, is is legit. He is. I think he'll be a late first just because of his versatility to do multiple things. OK, so that's that's interesting because I did not put on my list. So he would have been number three or number four, along with uh, Trenton Simpson from Clemson. So they would have been there. But again, it's a poor position. Um, Okay, so we're going to go to what I think is the, uh, not the best left. We'll save the edge for last. 
Um, I want to go through defensive tackle. Should Jalen Carter be the first defensive player drafted? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, he is the best defensive player in the class if we're not considering – if we're only considering what he looks like in games, mm-hmm. I have no idea what some of the other stuff. I, I mean, I've heard like you know we all know about the the speeding ticket, and we know we all know about the car accident stuff. Yeah, um, there are people talk, and I don't know how true any of this stuff is. There are people talking about how Georgia Georgia had to beg him to practice, which to me is like, huh? Um, I don't know that that's true that they put him on a treadmill a lot because he was out of shape. And I'm thinking to myself, a guy who's out of shape does what he does to SEC interior offensive linemen and tackles. I imagine he gets in shape. Yeah. So that's the thing is I don't know that I buy that because of the way he looks when he plays. And George George was full of shit about fields too, when he left for Ohio state. Now, of course he was done with the program whereas Jalen Carter is, you know, yeah. A bulldog to the end, but he is. I mean, I just I think when you look at last year's D line, you have you have Jordan Davis, you have you know first round pick, you have Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker one overall, you have Devontae Wyatt who went like twenty eight or whatever yeah, twenty somewhere there, yeah, yeah somewhere there, and Carter was the best of all of them. Yes, he was. He was, and then this year he shows up and he's and he's I know he played through some injuries and stuff, but still he is just a monster on yes. the field in a position that's really, really important now, um, finding interior penetration and block destruction and all these things to, to obliterate plays or at least alter these, these plays, uh, pressure, all that stuff. He does all those things fairly easily. So I don't know, you know, um, should they draft him? I mean, I think, I think there's, there's a point in time and who knows what point that'll be where, he becomes a value and you, you dismiss some of the off the field because of what he could be. Maybe that's at pick 10. Uh, it just so happens Philly has the 10th pick and they have Jordan Davis. And we already know what those two look like together. Uh, it would be, that would not be great for teams in the NFC to have to deal with that. You no, know, but it would not, but I don't think he makes it that far. I don't know that he does either. I just don't know exactly where he's going to end up. Um, I mean, all I can really talk about, or we should really talk about, is what he looks like on the field while while recognizing their significant off-the-field stuff. He's yeah. a freak, and he yes. is truly a game-altering defensive player. He is not in Dominican Sue, but he's pretty, you know, I mean, I think he's better than Derek Brown was coming out of Auburn. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's close. Yeah, so somewhere between... Sue and Brown is right where Carter lines up. And I, I, you know, you can see on the field, he is just crazy productive. Yep. Uh, six, three, three, 14. In my opinion, he's the top non quarterback prospect on the board. Um, sure. And should probably be drafted there. He was involved in a legal, in a legal car race that ended up with a teammate and UJ Stafford being killed in January. Now I think he pled guilty, so I don't need to say allegedly, but I'm going to say allegedly anyways, because I'm not sure what the rules are. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that is uh, obviously not, not great. So he no, does he, have, he was caught speeding. He got a ticket for speeding. He was going 89 to 45, like 
two months before that. So like, you know, yeah. Um, and that's, that's a fact too. We don't have to allege that that's, that's right. something that did happen. Right. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah. Great talent. Some off the field issues that, that would have to be worked through probably still worth easily a top 10 pick. In my opinion, it should be a top six pick, maybe the six overall pick. I hear what uh, you're saying. So um, number two, defensive tackle, Kalijah Cansey from Pitt, 6'1", 281. So an undersized but super athletic defensive tackle coming out of Pitt. I think that we should draft Eric Ebron instead. For those that don't know, the Detroit Lions passed on Aaron Donald to draft Eric Ebron. They passed on a lot of guys. They passed on Beckham and Zach Martin. and They passed on a lot of guys. Yeah. For a tight end. Yes. <laughs> it was almost 10 years ago, so we'll be over it. But And then they repeated that several years later. Yes. Passing on fields to Nick Penesul. Um, Undersized, no, no, super no, athletic no, no. DT right, coming out of pit. Um, I mean, he really does compare athletically to Aaron Donald, uh, but he did not do the bench press at the combine, and Aaron Donald put up 35 reps. I really so, would have liked for him to do that because it would have answered some questions. Yeah. Which sounds nuts because we're, you know, it's like you have all the film and you have all the other measurables and all these things, and you're picking about the bench press. But, you know, it does, it would have been helpful to know what kind of power there is, you know, with him. Mm hmm. Clearly, Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald is a significantly more powerful player on film than yes. Canty is. Almost to the point where we really shouldn't be comparing anybody to him, but you kind of have to because it's Pittsburgh and it's six one and two hundred eighty, and it's just like that's the stature that is what it is. And the rest of the athleticism lines up. It's and, just yeah, the bench press that we don't know. Just, you have the same frame and all the athleticism, but I think a very uh, lesser powered version of it. Mm -hmm. But I would then say that Cansey looks to me like he has more upper body uh, looseness, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, his ability to, to, to not be blocked is ridiculous, but he does it in, in interesting, super fascinating ways. There are times when he will, he'll be coming right at you and he'll turn his He'll turn his entire upper body and just kind of swim over you where Donald doesn't do that kind of stuff. He just goes through you. Um, they're, they both are built for leverage because they're low. You know, they're already, they already have leverage on any offensive uh, lineman because they're, they're making linemen kind of reach from the waist to get their hands on them. But to me, I, I, the, 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 the fluidity in which he moves his upper body and his hands and, and how fast he is with his hands. Like he is so quick with his hands. And I think this is an arm issue thing too, where it's all, it's almost beneficial for him to have shorter arms. Um, the pace at which he makes contact, it happens so fast that linemen have no idea what's happened and he's already in their gap. <laughs> and it's, and he does, I mean, there are times watching him where like they'll line him up. Pittsburgh lines him up as a nose tackle and they'll stunt him all the way around the tackle. Like he'll go three gaps after the snap out. Yes. He'll bend and turn and sack the quarterback. And he does this stuff. And it's like, it's not normal. It's just not normal. 
Now, the knock on him is going to be, can he be a three-down player? Can he hold up against the run? And the answer is, I think he can on some level, because he did at Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear people talk about him being a liability in run defense, and that's not true. It's just, how do you project that to the NFL? And obviously, whatever issues there are with anchor and power become bigger because NFL, bigger power, faster, you know, uh, stronger, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But in the end, he is a rare interior pass rusher who does things at a pretty silly level. Uh, he's super fun. Fl- uh, some, I mean, a fun player to watch. Yep. And like I said, like watching him go from nose, you know, outside the tackle and be able to bend and turn the corner and get there and get home. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I think he's a, a very exciting and even if he can't hold that well against the run, stopping the run, like you want teams to run anyways, right? Getting after the quarterback is how you win games on defense now. So um, yeah. to me, I'd much rather have him than, I don't know, who's a huge guy who can never rush the passer. In this Jerry draft? Ball. <laughs> Jerry Ball. Jerry Ball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, had his, um, I mean, he had his use back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, third defensive tackle I have in this class, class is uh, Brian Brees. Uh, maybe Breesy. I'm not sure. Brisey. Brisey. Fancy. Really? Yeah, it's like a oh. cheese. Is his first name Brian? Brian Brisey. Bijan. Okay. <laughs> no. uh, Bijan Robinson Brisey from Clemson. Six five and a half, two ninety eight. He was a top high school prospect. Certainly his position. Some sites he was the number one recruit in the country. Any position just injured a lot at Clemson based on what I saw. Yes. And lots of other stuff too. Like I think his sister passed away last year. Oh, lots of off the field stuff, injuries. Um, he's been through a lot. Yeah, he really. I mean, this, this is a person who's endured a lot in his short life. Um, I, to me, he's a very raw football player who needs a lot more reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are moments where he does, uncork it and you can see explosion and you can see you know quickness and all that stuff but then there are all there are <laughs> there are also moments where he stands straight up and he and he's easy to block so mm-hmm. I, you know uh i don't think he maybe this is a height thing like he's tall for a interior defender at six five plus uh leverage is a big deal and it's hard you know it's hard for the the taller guys to play with leverage I think he's one of those guys where if he went to the right place, he could you could get a lot out of him, but it really needs to be the right place, or he could t- it could take a long time if it comes at all. This feels like the type of player San Francisco trades up for in the end of the second round or something. Yeah, I, I think he'll be long gone by the end of the second round. Oh, really? You think yeah. he's like? Yeah, I think he's he will be in play starting early in round two, if not even in the late, you know, late twenties range, just well, because okay. he what, what he could eventually be. Right. Okay. He's, a, he's well. a very interesting prospect. You know, there, there could be really good football in his future. It's just, he's not, he's nowhere near like what Carter is as a player. Right. Okay. So yeah, you're uh, much more bullish on Brian Bursay than I was just based on looking at it, but you're right. I, mean, I have seen him mocked in the first quite a bit. I just assumed he was going to be in the second, but no, that's, that's good. I, to I mean, know. I think the second in the mid second is about his floor. Okay. But you never know. I mean, you know, uh, 
things happen. There could be injuries that we, I mean, like Nicobe Dean last year, we would never have thought he would have fallen as far as he did uh, based on what he looked like, even as an undersized guy with some issues. But, you know, some of the injury stuff, the injury things really hammered him during the draft. And, you know, that's why it's fluid. We just, you don't know. Yep. The last defensive tackle I have here, just want to touch on quickly, is Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. 6'3", 323, former number one on Bruce Feldman's Freaks list. Very good run stopper at Michigan and could offer some good uh, push on the pass rush projected to the late first, early second. Um, To me, Mozzie Smith is one of those guys, like, he was a four-star recruit out of high school who showed up and was like, why was this guy a five-star? Now he's going to be a second-round pick. and It's going to be like, well, why wasn't he a first-round pick? Like, it just... He just seems to be good. Now, I've watched every single snap he's ever played in college, so I have, you know, I might be a little yeah. biased, but he seems good when I see him. Yeah, he's good. I, I don't know. Th- I don't know that I love the way Michigan played him, which sounds ridiculous because it's like, who who cares? But the, the, the stance that they had him play out of was not all that conducive to going, uh, to penetrating the backfield. Mm-hmm. It was more... It, it almost seemed like it was that they wanted him to gapping or at least occupying space yeah. to free up people around him. Yes. And that's the way they used him. So was he super productive? No, but can he be? Yeah, he can be. He's yeah. very big. He's very strong. He's powerful. I think he has enough uh, first step quickness where he can, he can give you some pass rush. He can give you a little push. But I think he could be more than what Michigan did for him. You know, um, yes, Alex, that's a great landing spot for that would be a nice, you know, I mean, he would give they have Dexter Lawrence so that he would give you a little rotational upside there. Uh he's an interesting yeah. fit there. Alex said hoping that the Giants scoop up Mozzie Smith. So um yeah, I think that'd be a good fit as well. So I just think Mozzie Smith is gonna be a good player wherever he goes, but I also understand why he wouldn't go to the late first or early second. Now, edge rusher. We have talked about Will Anderson a lot. He's still number one on my list here, but I really had to think about it. Alabama, 6'3 253, incredibly productive in Alabama, but had a better 2021 than 2022. Still projects top five pick, and I still think, um, what's his face? Uh, Cheedy Petey. Pete Carroll loves him. So, <laughs> um, so I think that Anderson's got a pretty low floor. Uh, we will be talking a lot more because he will be a high pick during the draft. But just real quick, like what's your uh, real overarching take on Will Anderson? So I'll be quick. Um, I think he was a lot, not a lot. I think he was lighter in 2021. And I think it's very obvious on film that he played with more lateral agility and more quickness where on film you could see – you could see him force an offensive tackle to kind of abandon whatever plan it was that they had. And, you know, in, in, in his pass rush, force them to, you know, almost freak a little bit Mm -hmm. and overset, which then opens the door to go inside and all that stuff where this year, I think he gets a little heavier and even two fifty. I don't think he played in the two fifties, but you know, if we're talking about a guy who, played in maybe the high 220s in 2021 and played into the into the 240 245 range uh this year I think he I think it shows I think that there's some some stiffness and some uh he just lost it looks like he just lost his first step which meant that everything became power 
And I think that this year he looked like a bull rush only player who mm-hmm. could threaten the inside gap, but a guy who didn't really threaten the outside gap as much as I wanted him to. And as much as he did last year, having said that, I think that this is a situation where he could have pulled off the, I'm a great teammate and we have nobody else to do this job. So I need to get a little bigger and bulk up and play inside because we don't have anybody else. And I'm willing to do that for my team because I'm that guy. Right. I think it's, it's, there's a chance that he is that, I mean, the off the field sounds great with him. Um, I think if you, if we were talking about the way he looks last year, as a just as a pass rusher only, you know, you'd be very very happy to have him. So the questions, so you can see where my questions are. Is like, what's the weight? Um, did that impact him last year? Were there injuries? Did Alabama ask him to bulk up to, and play him as more of a four eye, which is the gap? It's it's, it's a shaded uh, gap, the gap between the guard and the tackle. So played more inside than outside. Um, those are my questions. I would ask Alabama, what, what's the story? Why'd you have him doing that? Uh, I, I'm sure Nick Saban would be very forthright. What's that? I'm sure Nick Saban would be very forthright. Oh, I'm sure he would. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but the questions are there. Like, you know, why, yeah. why did you have him playing inside the tackle than outside the tackle more, more so? And, and is it a function of his inability to play out wide or his inability to play as a traditional, you know, drop defensive end? What's the story? But, you know, the things he does well are are good. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I told you privately, I worry about him uh, being a bull rush only player who's going to play in the 240s and how that is just not going to translate. It's just not. So he's going to have to find a different way to win. You know, um, he's an interesting one. I mean, he is. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, great talent, but very interesting to see where he fits. Number two on my list, so I almost put number one, and I do have a bet on this person to be the first offensive player taken is Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, 6'5, 271. Projected top 10 pick, much bigger than Will Anderson, but not as productive. Although he also played at Texas Tech. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, transfer, I want to say transferred from, was it possible AM? I'm not sure exactly where he transferred from. Very, uh, very powerful. Um, Super long arms with a crazy big wingspan, big player, your prototype, big power defensive end who you can play inside when you need to. Um, he has a bad false step. So there's at the, at the point, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage, the ball gets snapped and he'll take a real short step before he gets going. It's gotta, you've got to get that out of his game. Um, he is also, generally speaking, the last guy moving off the ball. So you can see, I know it's weird. Um, you can see where if you get him coached up and doing a little more snap, anticipating and and working on maybe loading up his stance, kind of stuff like that, where a lot of that is stance-driven stuff. Um, some of it can be balanced stuff. Uh, if you get him, if you get him fixed there. I think that is a guy who is who is a Seattle, a perfect Seattle guy size wise because they love those big, big powerful dudes. Um, he's super interesting. I think that he is he'd be a real nice fit opposite a, a really a lighter pass rusher 
as a, a closed defensive end, kind of more of a glass eating sort of big physical dude who can squeeze the pocket and do a lot of things. It's just, he hasn't been as productive as some of the other guys in the class, but from a trade standpoint from he's got it all. Yeah. He's, he's interesting. Good, good. Yeah. I, I think he's a very interesting prospect. Now, number three on my list, I put number three because it's kind of where other folks have them. Luke Van Ness from Iowa, 6'5", 272, projected top 15 pick, uh, did nothing that mattered in multiple games against Michigan, had literally never heard of his name before the draft process. I don't know where this guy came from, why he's getting all this buzz, but apparently people like him. Am I wrong? I don't get it either. He never started a game at Iowa. Oh, well. Like, this is a player who never started a game. Now, I don't know whether that's relevant or not. Um, clearly he is a, uh, you know, a traits based, he would be a traits based pick. He would terrify me just because of how raw he is. But, uh, but this is a guy who loves Ziggy Ansa. So like, yes, yes, you do <laughs> you know, figure out, uh, figure out what side of the fence you're on and stay there kind of thing. I don't, I don't get it with him. I don't understand how you would take him over, um, like Miles Murphy, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, Clemson, Iowa, um, they're both similar size guys who tested great. Neither is a perfect prospect, but at least, I mean, Van Ness is a total wild card, a total wild card. I don't, I don't really know what to say about him other than I think it's just a, a function of him being a great tester and a really a, a phenomenal athlete at a big size. It's planet theory. Uh, there's only so many people that big, that quick, that fast with that much power. Uh, he is, he does have a good bull rush. He does have pop. He plays with pop. He plays with power, but like, you know, it's hard to see much more than that with a player who's played as little as he has. Yeah, I completely agree. I just never, like, I don't, I don't get where this is coming from, but I don't know enough about playing defensive end to like, like, like if this are a wide receiver, you know, I got my spreadsheets. I I can tell, right? Yeah. That this guy's yeah. like a workout warrior and what? Sure, whatever. Yeah, like there I are things like, that pop there. Like you know, yeah. hey, when did you when did you first uh, produce at, at at X level and how old were right. you? It's kind of important. Right. Yes. With him, it's like you know. I think there are. It's a traits based evaluation. It's height, weight, speed, quickness, power, all those things. He's got it all. It's just can he ever put it together at the NFL level? It's a huge gamble. I mean. You know, in a in a thing, you know, the draft is all about gambling anyway. Like, you know, you're flipping a coin and you you might have a 10% chance at hitting on these early first round picks. He might be less than that. But, you know, if he hits, he's going to give you some production just because of his how big and how quick he is and how physical he is. Yep. Last one I want to touch on about that. <laughs> last the last last prospect I want to talk, touch on here for the edges Nolan Smith out of Georgia 62238 ran a 4.3940 um that's an insane time for somebody that size a former number 1 prospect out of high school missed most of 2022 with an injury um i mean he played for Georgia so it's hard for anybody to really stand out it's for Jalen Carter really but I think this guy has a chance to be just an absolute monster at the NFL if he can't if he doesn't get washed out because he's too small. So that's going to be 
like what is the story? You know, uh, I think he's got some workout warrior in him. Uh, I think he played smaller than, you know, I, I he played in the two twenties range. Uh, oh wow, low two twenties. Um, he doesn't drop particularly well. He doesn't cover great. So I don't know exact. I mean, is is there a Hassan Reddick path to production for him? because of being undersized, crazy athletic, but, you know, undersized and really having to play on the edge. And can he live on the edge as small he is, as he is? And I think you nailed it. Um, is he going to get washed out in the run game? And if so, does he become a, a situational pass rusher only? And what's the value in that? And I don't know what it is. Honestly, he could take another 10 pounds off and make him a safety. <laughs> I mean, you could you could potentially be, because he doesn't cover great, I think that's a terrible idea, but I oh. get exactly what you're saying. Yes. Like, he's so small, he could be. Like there are bigger safeties in the NFL than he will be as an edge player. But he is a freaky athlete and he does crazy things um as an athlete, you know, it's going to be tough for him just because of how light he is. It is it is going to be hard for him to survive. It is. I just don't yeah. know where teams are going to value him. And he is one of the enigmas of this class. Like, where, do, where does a team value him? And, it, you know, it only takes one team to fall in love with you. But people have talked about him being potentially a top 15 player. And it's like, I, I don't know, you know. Um He's one of those guys that I, I just don't, I don't, who knows? Uh, yeah. I'm really fascinated to, to see where he goes. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, whatever he takes him, it's a, it's a real interesting gamble there on Nolan Smith. So that's the defensive prospects uh, this week. Next week we'll be looking at offensive prospects um, where we will have a lot more of them. So um, we will uh, figure out how, how to do that. Cause there's, in my opinion, there are like, 10 running backs and 12 receivers on their own worth discussing. Yeah. So we will, we will come up with something. Well, maybe I'll make a game out of it. We'll come up with something to try yeah, to squeeze just, them. You know, maybe I can just be a little uh, significantly more brief and when, you know, whatever it's good. Well, honestly, if you were saying things that were uninteresting or unimportant, I would have just like jumped in, but that just wasn't <laughs> the case. Like you had good, you had good stuff to say about all these guys. So, you know, that's uh um, you know, that's what, that's what we're here for. So well, hopefully um, people liked it. yeah. So once again, thank you. If you're listening on the audio version, this is also a YouTube live stream. There is a link in the show notes. You can, uh, subscribe to the page, get notifications for when we're going live. If you're watching live, please like the video. It really does help us out quite a bit. I also added to the show notes. Uh, Scott is also on a podcast where he talks about the lions. So if I'm here, talk, Scott, uh, talk, Scott, Scott, talk about the lions. That's uh, in the show notes now as well, so you can uh, find him find him over there. Uh, once again, we're part of the uh, Maddie Ice Media Network. Go to MaddieIceMedia.com. Find all the other great podcasts there and merch as well for our show and the others. Scott, do you have any final words? Nope, I'm good. Thanks for, all right. uh, thanks for everything again. It's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, everybody, in the chat, and we will see everybody next week. Peace. Peace.